Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey there, and welcome back to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. I am so excited and so honored that my very dear friend, Emily Vales, came on the podcast to chat with me. And when I say very dear friend, I mean the type of person that even though you've never met them in real life, only virtual life, we are as close as can be. Emily and I chat every single day, and we started our business together right around the same time. So we've really seen how the business ebbs and flows. We've been there for each other when we've been struggling. We've been there for each other when we've been thriving. And I knew Emily was a really great person to come on the podcast to share her experience with niching down in her services because she is like many of you. She started off offering a little bit of everything, got into something and realized that even though there was a demand for it, she didn't really enjoy it. So she decided it was time to make a pivot, which is where a lot of my listeners are right now. Maybe it's where you are right now. You're deciding you want to make a pivot it, but you're scared. You don't know if letting go of those clients in that service that you don't enjoy is the right move. How do you go about it? How do you figure out what you're really good at? Emily is going to break all that down for us. She's going to share how she knew it was time to narrow in on that signature service, what that looked like, and the steps that she took to get there. So I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend who is a former teacher turned Pinterest marketing and ad strategist. Emily thrives off of diving into her clients' data and analytics to create personalized strategies that will ultimately turn their traffic into profit. When she's not obsessing over how she can take her clients further with their marketing strategies, she's chasing around two sweet little girls or spending time with her husband. After feeling called to be at home with her kids and leave the teaching world, she can finally say that she's living the work-at-home mom life that she thought was only in her dreams. Let's dive into this interview with Emily and learn how she was able to narrow in on her signature service, how she was able to make more impact, more income, but work less. You are not going to want to miss this interview. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. 
All right. I am so excited to bring Emily on the podcast today because not only is she super knowledgeable in Pinterest and niching down, she is one of my closest friends and we've gotten to know each other in growing our businesses. So Emily, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I am so, so excited to be chatting with you today. And I was super honored when you asked me to uh, join you. So I know a lot about you just because we talk pretty much every day, but I would love for you to, to share your background on like where you came from and how you found this whole freelancing world and kind of what you are up to today. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to keep it semi short and sweet. <laughs> I'm laughing, Aubrey. It's just so funny because obviously, like you said, we chat every day. So you know me, I can be long winded sometimes, but, um, I guess I'll start. So I have, um, I was previously a teacher and I taught for three and a half years, kindergarten for three years. And then I was teaching second grade when I had my first daughter and I actually had every intention of going back to the classroom. I had an awesome school that I worked for and they were going to allow me to come back part-time, which is kind of unheard of, you know, when you're a classroom teacher. And so I was co-teaching with another teacher, so they were always going to have that stability in the classroom. So I was going to come back three days a week. I was thinking this will be perfect. You know, I'll still have two days that I'm at home, kind of the best of both worlds, right? Well, I had my daughter and it was all history from there. <laughs> I held that baby in my arms for the first time and I'm like, there is no way I can leave her. And it was funny because I knew right away, but I just waited and waited and waited to tell the school, which sounds terrible, but I just, I had this horrible guilt. I loved my students. I loved my coworkers. And it was really hard for me to think about not returning to the classroom, but I knew it would be much harder to leave my daughter. And so fast forward a little bit and I decided, you know, I talked to the school, they were super supportive. They're like, you will always have a job here if you ever want to come back. So it was a really great situation. And I left on, you know, on a really great note. So fast forward. And after about eight months of staying home with her, obviously it was a huge adjustment. <laughs> and I kept thinking after I had her, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I could be going back to work. And so I was just felt very fortunate and blessed that I was in that position that I was able to stay home with her. But that summer, so I had her in October and that summer, my husband and I talked and, you know, we were used to living a certain lifestyle. We like to take vacations. We like to eat out. And, um, obviously we could budget, but we also had a mortgage and we had just moved to a more expensive home the previous year. So we were talking about it and, I was just thinking, I also felt like a pull. There was, I knew I wanted to do something else. And I don't want to say besides just being a stay at home mom, because that's also the hardest job I've ever had in <laughs> the best job. But I just, I, I felt like I had so much more to offer. And I, I think also being a teacher, I see myself as a lifelong learner and I wanted to challenge myself. And so I had a friend from college and she was like, Hey, I have this sister-in-law. She has this really great course. And so I ended up taking a course on how to start your own freelance business. And so through that, it was, I want to say I kind of sat on the fence for a few months before I decided to take it. I was just intimidated because I'm the type of person, the personality, I guess that, you know, Aubrey, we've talked about this. We were both like, I'm all in. And so I knew if I took it, there was no 
I mean, obviously in the back of my head, there's a little bit like, will I fail? But I was kind of determined to not let myself fail. So that's why I I had just had to be in the right place. And so I took that course and within a week I had already landed a client and, um, fast forward a whole year from there. And I had really in the beginning, I felt like anybody and everybody was my client. If you were willing to pay me, then you were my ideal client. (laughs) So I started offering basically everything. I think originally I felt like, especially being a teacher that I had a lot of administration skills that I could offer. And, um, from there I started kind of trying to niche down a little bit or niche, however you prefer to say it. I always say niche. And so I really got into social media management, but, uh, I guess from that point on with my journey after that year in, I, I kind of was just getting burned out. And so I had a client ask me, she was like, Hey, will you play around with my Pinterest? And I loved Pinterest as a user, but I was super intimidated by it for some reason, using it from the other side. And so, you know, I gave her like a way discounted rate because I just didn't believe in myself. And so, uh, through that though, I figured out that I was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. And so I took an organic course on Pinterest management. And from there, I just decided that's where I wanted to be. And so fast forwarding even more, like I said, I can kind of be long winded. Um, The past over a year now, I've really niched down to just Pinterest and even from organic management to promoted pins. So Pinterest ads. And so I finally feel like I'm where I want to be. And so that's kind of my journey as far as my business and, and somewhere in there, I also had another child. (laughs) So, um, my second girl, I'm a girl mom. She was born last December. So I was able to do all of this with two girls at home. And so Aubrey, I know we've talked about, we have so much in common with you also starting, um, your business when you're pregnant. So that's my journey in a nutshell. I hope I, (laughs) I felt like I kind of got off on a lot of side tangents there, but no, I think that's my favorite part of listening to stories. I love when people share like the reason behind why they got into business and how it happened and kind of all the little pieces along the way. Cause I think that that's important for other people to hear and feel like, Oh, like she is, you know, similar to me or I'm a teacher or, you know, I don't want to go back to work when my daughter is born or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's those pieces that people can relate to and feel like, Oh, I have I have a similarity here. And that's why you and I get along so well is because like every time I, you know, you think about your story and everything, it's like, it's so spot on to, to me and what I wanted and, and how things happened for me. So I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. I know that you talked about kind of offering like a lot of different services and then you were kind of doing social media. What was it? You, you talked about being like burnt out. What were those feelings like Um, when you thought like this was something that you really enjoyed, but then realizing that you might want to do something different. Right. So I guess I'll start like in the beginning. So when I said I was offering a lot of different services, I think I felt I was trying to wear all the hats, like I said, because I just wanted somebody to pay me my, my original goal. And I think through all of this, I've just learned how important it is to set goals. And it's just so rewarding when you reach those goals. And so my first goal was to just replace my teaching salary. So like I said, my husband and I, we had just talked about, we wanted to be comfortable and it's not that I had to work, but 
there was things that we were going to have to give up and selfishly, we didn't want to give them up. So, um, that's why I, and I also wanted to be with my girls. And so in the beginning, I'm like, okay, if you will just pay me to be honest, I, I really didn't make very much as a teacher. And so like, if I can just get this amount of clients at this rate, then I will have replaced my teaching salary. And it felt at the time unattainable. And then as I started landing clients, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like it was effortless because I worked really hard and I followed to a T the course and the advice and I networked and I built relationships and, you know, so I don't want to sound like I didn't put in the work because I did and I was committed to it. But that was the thing though. I just, I just wanted people to pay me. And so I think I offered social media management. I had like admin, email management. I had, I think I had photography because I had like a DSLR camera and I'm like, Oh, photographer. Yep. (laughs) Now I don't want to say I was also very trans. I tried to be transparent. It was like a weird balance between like make it until you break it. But also I think my price is also reflected. Like I'm a beginner And so I had all these different services and what I realized I was, I think what made me focus on social media management was I was seeing a lot of people saying like, I don't want to do this. I need somebody to take this off my plate. It was just something I was seeing as a job opportunity a lot, to be honest. And I think I felt comfortable because I used Instagram, I used Facebook and I, I just felt not as intimidated by it. I was actually, I was telling you this yesterday, Aubrey, I was actually really interested in graphic design and that I felt like I would need more training. And I was kind of figuring out through playing in Canva and stuff. Like, I just don't have an eye for this. (laughs) And so I kind of went with what I knew and I was landing these social media clients and I'm like, I'm just going to roll with it. And so I really learned a lot that first year about social media. And so I was managing people's Facebook pages, their business pages. I was creating the strategy. I was saying what we're going to post, what days I, so I was doing the content calendars and um, I was doing the same thing as well for Instagram and I was doing daily stories. I even did Instagram lives and it was just a lot. And one of my clients that I did all of the things for as far as social media I, we, I actually mentioned this to you as well, Aubrey, but that they were a product-based business and the holidays were a big time. And I just felt that it was um, becoming exactly what I didn't want, which was almost like to be on call. It's like, we got to do this story. And also some of that is a factor of like the client as well, but just in general, I just didn't, I got, I think what burned me out really was to be engaging and to be commenting and to be liking and some people that lights their fire and that's awesome for them. But I just knew I had like, Oh, to think about doing this for another five, 10, it just wasn't for me. So that's kind of how I got to where I am and deciding. I think that was a big part in deciding to go with Pinterest was how much I liked it, but also because I knew I didn't want to go in that direction, if that makes sense. Well, I think you brought up a good point too, because you said you kind of shifted to social media because you saw that there was a need for it. Like a lot of people were, were doing it, which is, which is a good indicator 
of, okay, this is a service that might be worth pursuing. But I think at the same time, you not only does there need to be a need for it, but you have to like find the enjoyment in it too. And so you have to kind of find that like the best of both worlds where there's a need for something and where you enjoy doing it. And I think you really found that with Pinterest. So as you started to shift towards that, I'm sure there was a lot of like fears of you. I know you and I have talked through this too, like when you had to start letting go of some clients as you were really starting to focus more on Pinterest and you didn't want to keep these social media clients on. So can you talk to us about like what you were feeling during that time of like, I'm going to really shift towards Pinterest and not do social media anymore and how you kind of navigated those feelings of, well, what happens like if I let these clients go and now I, you know, I have to find all these other clients too. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So with, I think it was a year ago in April or May that I, I had mentioned, I like quote started playing around (laughs) with that. uh, And it was a client that I had actually been doing social media for and she wanted me to experiment with her Pinterest. So that was in April or May, I want to say. And then in August, I landed a client who was a TPT seller and it was my first, I'm hiring you specifically for Pinterest. And then she was getting really great results. And I'm like, I love this. She's getting great results. And I'm like, why did I ever not think, Hey, I'm a teacher. I get along with teachers. I have a lot in common with teachers, not just as far as what I know, but I was also finding as far as values and what's important. And I was just realizing how vital it is to, I mean, you don't have to be the exact same as your client, but some of those core values and just as far as what that looks like working with them, it just was, you know, it had a huge impact on everything. And so that August I landed that client and fast forward to November and I had a few more TPT sellers as clients and Then I decided that I really wanted to focus on Pinterest, but I knew that I was going to eventually top out on hours. So, you know, you can't put more hours in the day. So the next thing you can do though, is you can scale. So you can with scaling, I'm thinking, okay, I need to be charging more and I want to be working less, not more. I can't just keep taking on clients. And so I took a promoted pins course by Monica Frozen. She, I feel like is by far and wide is, you know, as far as promoted pins and offering that more premium service. And she teaches you how to run campaigns. So it's not specifically for people who just want to be a Pinterest ads manager, but just if you want to know how to run a promoted pin campaign. So I took her course. And the thing that was scary was I hardly even had time to take the course. So I knew I was going to have to take a couple steps back before I was going to be able to move forward. And Aubrey, we had actually talked about this. I remember being like nine months pregnant. I think I was like boxing you on the treadmill, probably like panting. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I know I need to get rid of this client, but I also don't want to get rid of this client because it's really scary. And I felt like you gave me really like sound advice. And you're like, Emily, like if it's going to put you in a bad position or like you feel like your family needs this, don't like beat yourself up if like you need to keep them at least for another month or two months until you can kind of find that, you know, balance. And, um, I decided, I think it was maybe a month later, I did decide to let that client go. And it would, the timing was really good because I just had a new baby and it was a very demanding as far as constantly posting and the daily stories on Instagram. And I just felt like I was always behind. It wasn't something I could like 
get ahead on or, you know, do an advance with having a baby. And that was another whole thing that I had to figure out because when I first started my business, my first baby was already eight months old. And so it was just a whole new transition. And so I basically, I had to take probably 20 steps back, you know, to move forward, which was really scary because at that point I hadn't at least doubled, if not tripled what I was making when I was teaching, but I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I just, I had to let that go. And it ended up being good because it let me have a slower, more relaxed transition with having that new baby. And then as she was getting older and things started picking back up. And so then the ball really started rolling as far as being able to focus just on Pinterest and moving forward with my business. Yeah. And probably too, just having, not having to do that daily stuff for that client freed up some time so that you could start to network more and market more of your Pinterest stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as far as niching down, that was one thing that scared me. I just, I always saw such a need for social media and I just didn't see a lot of people out there posting or a lot of job opportunities, people looking for Pinterest services. And so that really intimidated me because I just didn't know how I was going to replace that. But you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And so I actually, I did invest in a business coach, which was another really scary thing when I'm taking 10 steps back and then also making a large investment. But I worked through some different mindset things and it was crazy though. It just, it all worked out because I actually got to a point where I was networking and um, I started receiving referrals, but then I would wake up and I would just have people who had gone to my website and filled out my questionnaire or, you know, an inquiry. (laughs) Yeah. So it it ended up all working out, but it was, it was really scary in the beginning. And one thing I I do want to talk to you about, because I know you and I feel the same way, but I know that there's a lot of people out there, probably a lot of my listeners who like taking the course, like you are clearly a person who sees the value in investing. And sometimes that's hard for us when maybe we're, we're making a little bit of money in our business, but we're not making a ton. Um, can you talk to us about why you find it so important to continue to invest in like the courses or the business coach to help you along in your business? Yeah. So that was honestly, so obviously I took the original course that was investing and that was really scary. I, I said, I wanted to make back my teaching salary. I, if you really want to go back, I actually think my first goal was to just make back what I had invested in the course. Like I just need to at least break even here. (laughs) And so I am just such a firm believer in, in order to grow, you, you just have to invest. And I've had that conversation. And I, I mean, not because I want to be pushy or anything like that. And I, you know, when you're talking to people, you hope that it comes off in a sincere way, but I try to help, especially when I get on discovery calls with people and they're trying to figure out the return on investment with, you know, paying for Pinterest ads, because you not only have the ad spend, but then obviously you have to pay me for my time and my services. And you know, I know how much obviously I paid for my coach. And honestly, it was terrifying when I was taking that big of a step back, but I just felt like I knew for me to get where I wanted to go. I, I probably, I wasn't, I honestly, I didn't even have enough faith in myself that independently I could get where I wanted to go on my own, honestly. 
but I, I knew I would just get there, even if I could on my own, I knew I could just get there so much faster with the coach. And I just had so many dreams of the things I wanted to do and where I wanted to be in six months and a year. And I was really working on visualizing what I wanted my life to look like. And I just knew that right now, and I am actually currently in the process of <laughs> hiring a few things out for my own business, but I also knew that I didn't want to be in a place where I had to have a sitter multiple times or all day. You know, I felt like it was going to get to the point where I was going to defeat the purpose if I was trying to make this income goal, but I'm working these crazy hours. And so, like I said earlier, it's, you know, I wanted to make more and work less so that I could still kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And like, if I want to go to the zoo tomorrow with my girls, I can go to the zoo tomorrow with my girls, you know, and really protect those hours that I spend with them. And there's nothing that's not to say anything negative about people who, you know, utilize daycare, or have sitters. I mean, you have to do what you have to do to make it work. But I just knew what I wanted my life to look like. And so investing you know, I took that course in November. That was a big investment. And then I invested in a business coach. And I can honestly say, I know for sure I would not be where I am today if I hadn't have made those investments. So I guess I just, whether it be a $50 membership you're investing in or a thousand, two thousand, five thousand $5,000 coach, I just can't urge people enough to <laughs> take that leap of faith. And I was just listening to another podcast the other day and somebody was saying that no matter what, they always find a way to invest in their business. And even if they are cutting costs in other areas, they just make it work. And I'm like, just was solidifying, <laughs> you know, my feelings, but. And I think uh, one other thing that you brought up that I think is very important for people to do. And I've actually um, been working with like my one-on-one -on -one clients with it. And then through my course is like before we can get to the step-by-step -step of here's what you need to do in your business. And, you know, like, you know, people want the tactical things, but I think you brought up a great point of thinking about what you want the vision of your life to look like. And sometimes we get so caught up in building the business and growing and scaling and trying to do all these things that we lose sight of why we did it in the first place. And if, if, you know, we did this in the first place, you know, I know you and I were like this, that we wanted not, we didn't want to not work, but we wanted to have a job that was flexible and allowed us to create the schedule on our terms and be there for our kids and to be able to take time off. But if we were, have a business that is a model where we're just hustling, then we lose sight of that. So I think it's important like to always keep the like vision of what you want, like why you got into this business and to keep that in mind when you're deciding which routes to take, because it's so easy to get caught up in like the business. Like I know you said too, it was like super exciting when people first started hiring you. It was like, I know that I felt like when I'd get on a discovery call and like they'd sign the proposal, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this, like it was like a high feel, you know, like it was so, so exciting. But then you also need to remember like, okay, it's okay to say no to this client or to say no to this certain area or whatever, because it's not keeping in line with what I set out for the vision of my business. Exactly. And I was finding myself kind of addicted to that high of, I was landing these organic clients and I felt like I had really found where I was meant to be with, even if it's not a TPT seller, just working with some kind of educator and whatever that looks like. And so I've found where I really wanted to be. And I was finding though, with that organic management, I was just out of time. And I, I was trying to 
step back and look at my life and really be mindful. And there were times I felt it was just chaotic. And I felt like I was defeating the purpose of why I had done this. I'm, you know, running around, I'm on the phone. I'm it's, it was just, I don't know how to explain it. It was chaotic. I could go into a lot of different specific (laughs) stories, but I'll, I'll spare you and your listeners. But that's, and that finally made me think about why did I do this? And I, I don't think I always am the best at visualizing, but at that point I did finally, you know, being like nine months pregnant, thinking about having, you know, a toddler at the time, my daughter was only, she was 25 months. And I was about to have a new baby. I could not make my life anymore chaotic. (laughs) So I I had to kind of problem solve and I needed somebody to help me get there. And like I said, I, I could perfectly visualize and explain what I wanted my life to look like. So now then I was like, okay, this is what I want. Help me get there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So as you started to scale your business and as you, you really did narrow in on Pinterest, but I also talk about too, how it doesn't necessarily have to be like you only, there's only like one thing that you do within your service. Like you can, you can narrow down in on Pinterest and then there's a lot of different things that you can offer within Pinterest as long as it, you know, stays within that realm. So you were doing organic and then you wanted to scale because you, you know, were running out of time and you started doing promoted pins and started charging obviously a little bit more. So Talk to us about what that's like, because I, I know when people think about offering that premium service, they're thinking, okay, how do I how do I convey people that what I'm charging is you know worth it? Like you talked about that return investment. Did you start lower and then build up? Talk to us uh, like that process that you were working through through charging a little bit more than what you were doing through your organic. Yeah, so I actually ran two campaigns. The first thing I started doing was reaching out to my current clients and saying, hey, I've taken this course. Um, These are all of Monica's accolades. I mean, a lot of people already just know who Monica is. If you know um, very much about Pinterest, she's very well known as far as the Pinterest realm goes. But, you know, I've taken this course from Monica Perros. This is my background. I'm working towards adding this as a service for my business. Would you be interested in allowing me to run a promoted pin campaign for you? And the only thing I would require is that you pay for the ad spend. Now, I did have certain, you know, kind of a caveat. I only sent that email to people that I felt like it was really going to make sense for them. So Monica really teaches, and um, I'm a firm believer in this, that it doesn't make sense to run a campaign or promote a pin if you don't have a sales funnel, especially in, you can test a sales funnel through a promoted pin campaign, but you're putting that money and that ad spend behind something that, I mean, maybe it'll, it's going to do great and you're going to see tons of conversions or maybe it'll flop and you're going to figure out, oh, the click-through rate wasn't great. So I need to, you know, change and tweak the pin design or the you know, the click-through rate is great, but it's the landing page. There's something wrong. So you, you find out a lot, but you're paying to find that out. You're, (laughs) so it's kind of, you know, figuring out the hard way. So Mm -hmm. if you already know it converts, whether it be through, you know, successful Facebook ads or some other route or even organically, if it's converting well organically. So I only was asking that of people that I knew they were in a position and that's through working with them. I understood their funnel. And so I basically put that offer out there. 
I ran campaigns for two different people and I received testimonials and then I could kind of use those stats and the analytics as obviously to build that case study and share that proof with potential clients. And so through that, it gave me a lot of um, obviously experience. And I kind of felt like the course was abstract until I was able to apply it in that way because it was a lot. And so it was definitely intimidating coming up with a price for that. And I knew how much work it was, but at the same time, you know, I'm thinking, how am I going to convince somebody? It's funny when you talk to people because I've had a lot of people say, well, I've, I've hit the promote button and I'm like, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like it. So I, th- I think there's, you know, and then some people know how involved it is and they know the worth and the value. So I actually, part of my discovery call is walking people through um, a presentation. And I think when people hear presentation, they're like, Oh, but it's really short. It's sweet, but it kind of tells you like you need X, Y, and Z in place in order for this to make sense for you, because I am not about just landing clients and misleading people. I, I really care about my clients and I want it to make sense for them. And obviously it doesn't look good on me if it's not successful, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, and I don't want to waste their money. It's a waste of their time and money. And so anyways, through that, it gave me a lot of confidence, but with that first client, it was, it was scary having this price, but Monica, I remember she was on another podcast. And I just remember her person she was being interviewed by said, what would you say would be the baseline for Pinterest managers specifically for promoted pins? And she was like, no lower than $500. And so that was basically how I came up with my baseline for that. And I just told myself, you know, I know this is a lot of work. I know the value in this. And I know the, you know, the value in having this knowledge and I wasn't going to take anything less than that. And so I landed a couple of clients at that rate and then I increased it. And then I landed two or three more clients at that increased rate. And then I increased it again. And through this, cause I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you find, you know, people willing to pay you for that premium service? And actually I've done a lot of cold pitching through email, um, which I was never, I was so intimidated about that, but that was something that my coach had kind of pushed me to do. And so I came up with the PDF and what I was sending to the potential clients and it was really personalized. And I think it really helped them once again, back to the visualization It made, you know, kind of concrete what this could look like for them because I would use their course. I was using conversion industry standards. So it was very realistic of what that would look like for them. And so I had a lot of success and now um, I do receive referrals or people who have found my name through Facebook groups and things like that. But um, I mean, I, I still plan on obviously continuing to increase my prices and it's a little scary, but once you know, and you've seen people get results and you know, the value you just can't, I don't know. You just can't, I guess, second guess yourself and just have to be confident in knowing that if they say no, because of your prices, then they weren't the right client for you. And I think you brought up a good point too, about having those like case studies and those testimonials and using that. And I feel like I could have you on the podcast again to talk about cold pitching, because I feel like that's such like an undervalued or underrated form of finding clients. And like, I know that if like something came through my, my inbox and it was like a really well thought out pitch and you know, it would definitely be worth pursuing. And sometimes people don't know 
that like they might need to hire out for this, but that if they see, you know, your PDF and see that your pitch and see like what it could do for their business through those case studies, I think like it can be a very great way to find new clients. Yeah. I became, like you said, this could probably be another podcast, but I became like addicted. I had the little email tracker and I would send out my, and I will say when they are personalized, it takes a lot of time. And, you know, I did a lot of research to find, I had specific people that I knew I would love to work with, but then when you see them opening your emails and you know, you get so excited and to be landing part of my clients that I have now I had, I've cold pitched. And so it was, it was really exciting and rewarding. And it's so nice because I remember whether it be a posting in a Facebook group or, um, some other source that I would find a job opportunity. When you finally see somebody that you really know is your ideal client, you get so excited. But then if you don't, you know, if that, doesn't pan out or they go with somebody else, it's disappointing. But when you're cold pitching, you can, you know, the only people you are cold pitching to are people you really want to work with. And so I, like you said, I just feel like it's a really overlooked strategy that people can use. And I, I think that at least for me, I was very cognizant. I just, I, I did not want to come off as pushy, slimy, salesy. And so I really tried to learn about whoever I was cold pitching. I followed them on social media. I, you know, I, I wanted to make it come across as really sincere, but the funny part is, is most of them I already knew about liked and had bought their resources because they were TPT sellers and I was a teacher. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it also for that reason felt natural. So yeah, it was, it was fun though. I mean, I actually need to start. <laughs> doing it again. I'm like with the holiday season, (laughs) but once again, I need more time. So that's why I'm trying to hire somebody right now. Right. So as we like kind of start to wrap this up, the last question I would like to ask you is if there's someone listening right now who they've kind of been all over the place, offering lots of different services, and they're looking to narrow down into offering more of a kind of concise service or like that signature service, what kind of advice would you give them if they have worries about like, am I going to be able to find clients or do I have to let my other clients go? What kind of advice would you give them if they're going through that right now? I would say just do it. Do it scared. (laughs) You just have to. It's just so much more, I think, impactful too when somebody is going through And I know now even just trying to hire for myself, even though it's not a big position, but I want somebody who's not trying to wear all the hats, but, you know, already knows about Pinterest and would maybe even like to specialize specifically in Pinterest. So I think when you're thinking about your ideal client, who you want to work with, standing out to them, it doesn't impress people if you offer a laundry list of services because it in my opinion, and this is the way I look at it, how can you be that great at all of those things? You know, so I think that when people are looking for a true professional, they don't want somebody who calls and, you know, I guess maybe it depends on the person, but this is what I found. I thought it would be harder to land clients when I niche down. It's been way easier way easier than when I was calling myself a graphic designer, a photographer, a virtual assistant, um, whatever, (laughs) you know, 
you name it. That's what I was calling myself in the beginning. So I would just say, you just have to do it. And somebody in another course group, when I asked that question, that that's literally what they said to me. They're like, I saw a huge change in my business when I finally specialized. And I think that once you niche down, you, you find a new confidence in yourself because you learn so much more about that one area. So then when you get on discovery calls, that's what stands out to people is when you knock it out of the park because you are a true expert and you don't know just a little bit about all of the things, you know, everything about that one thing, if that makes sense. I guess. That, oh my gosh. I couldn't have said it better myself. That was so good. So oh, good. I'm, I'm so glad that we can like end on that note. Cause that was like, that was perfect. Like everything that I would have wanted you to say, you said it like, that's so, so true. And like not having to divide your time over all these different areas and getting really crystal clear on like what you do. And I'm sure the same thing goes for you, Emily, like what's the process you walk your clients through to go like once they come in through the promoted pin, like you have that system set up of things that you need from them. So it's not like it just becomes more streamlined and more like smooth process. And that's probably why your clients are so willing to refer you because they were like, Oh my gosh, Emily had her stuff together and you have to work with her. Well, honestly, I feel like I've learned a lot of that from you as far as productivity and streamlining. And, um, I was just, <laughs> for obviously people to know this, Albert and I were boxing earlier and I was just telling her, I was like, sometimes I feel like I need to be paying you as my business coach because I ask you all of these questions. But honestly, I think that makes a huge difference to people though. Like you said, from the time you get on a discovery call, the way the questions you ask, even people will be like, I've never had somebody ask me that question before through the whole process. I mean, you already said it, you know? And so it just, people feel like, wow, I, I really made the right choice. This is a true expert. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much goodness. I love that you shared the pieces of your story and everything. And I would love for you to share where my listeners can come hang out with you, learn more about like what you do and everything like that. Yeah. So you can find me. My website is emilyvales.com. And you can also come hang out with me, send me a DM, connect with me one-on-one at emily.vales. That's my Instagram handle. And that, so (laughs) Aubrey already knows this. I was on the fence with whether I wanted to have a business one or if I just wanted to use my personal one. And my personal one was just so much baby spam. So (laughs) my, my business account is, it's pretty fresh, but all the more reason to come and join me and hang out and connect with me. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. I have enjoyed this. I'm sure we're just going to keep chatting away after we get done pressing record, but thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Now, real quick before you go, if you are in a position where Emily was a little over a year ago and you are thinking, okay, I'm done offering all the services. I really want to get clear on that signature service that I offer. Well, then you need to get on the wait list for the Freelancer to CEO Academy. Currently, the doors have been sealed. I have been working with the current round of students and they have been seeing huge success. They've been narrowing down on their ideal client, their signature 
service. They have been getting their systems in place so that they have an amazing client experience and they have been diving into how to effectively market their services so that they can start attracting their ideal clients and not having to spend all this time doing all the things we get really clear on what it is that's going to move the needle forward and bring new clients in. If you are thinking, heck yes, I need to know how to do that, then you need to jump on the wait list because that's the first place that I will announce when the doors to the Freelancer to CEO Academy are officially open. And also for being on the wait list, you will get a very special deal that I'm only offering to those on my email list. So get on that list because you will get a special code just for being on the wait list. You don't want to miss that out. Doors will be opening soon. So head to aubreymalek.com slash waitlist to join the waitlist for the Freelancer to CEO Academy. Now, if you're thinking, I don't want to wait, Aubrey, this episode got me pumped up. I am ready to go now. I understand that investing in my business is what is going to get me to accomplish my goals. And I am ready to work with you yesterday. If you are feeling me on that, if you want to take your business to the next round, I do have a few select one-on-one spots left in my coaching roster. So if you want to have my personalized eyes on your business and really walk you through my framework, hold your hand, help you out, encourage you, talk you down from the ledge when we get feeling nervous and we aren't sure if people are gonna pay those prices. I am helping my one-on-one coaching clients through this process right now, and it is so rewarding to see the impact that it's making on them and their business. Like I said, I only have a few spots left, and come 2021, my coaching packages will be increasing. I'll be increasing those rates because I am a firm believer in raising your rates as you gain experience, and with working with people, I have gotten them results. They have seen growth in their business. They have seen the success. They have seen their business take off and I want to help you do the same. So if you want to land a coaching package with me, all you need to do is send an email to our team, hello at aubreymalek.com. I'll link that for you in the show notes as well. Just send us an email. We will send you the latest coaching package and we can get you on the books so that we can start scaling your business now. There's no need to wait until 2021 There's no need to wait until you feel ready. Let's do this. I know what an impact working with me one-on-one can do. That's when I feel so fired up. I love that one-on-one connection. It's what I miss from teaching. And ever since I started coaching, working one-on-one with freelancers who are feeling stuck, who are feeling confused, who are not sure what their signature service will be, ever since I started doing that, Everything feels aligned. I'm back in my happy teaching place and I am loving it. So I would love to work with you if you feel like this is a good fit, if you feel like I'm that coach that can take your business to the next level, please email the team hello at aubreymalek.com and we will get you set up. All right, I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.